So I found something interesting a couple of days ago. I was looking through my email for an old receipt, and I found something else. My list of 2020 work goals. (laughs) Let me read it to you. My 2020 work resolutions. Date, January 10th, 2020. Yes, I was a little late getting those together, but I digress. Here's what I wrote. Number one, make the early train so I can get to work before everyone else. Number two, dress for the position I want to be promoted to. Number three, get an office with an actual door. Number four, go to the trade conference in San Francisco in the spring. So, no surprise, none of that happened. But actually, that was okay. Instead of making the early train, I'm logging into work on the couch with my morning coffee, sometimes before anyone else. I am dressing for success. I'm all business on top and sweatpants down below. It's like second nature. Also, I now have an office with a door. It's called my bedroom closet. I'm sitting in here right now, surrounded by blankets, recording this. The acoustics are fabulous. I didn't make it to the trade conference, but I have met online with some of the people I was hoping to get together with. And as an added bonus, like so many others, I learned to make sourdough bread with a San Francisco sourdough starter, of course. So when you add it all up, I'd say working remotely has been pretty good. Here on Remote Works, we've been looking at the ups and downs of this massive and unexpected shift in how and where we work. You've invited us into your living rooms, guest rooms, kitchens, nurseries, and playrooms. And I've been sharing them with you stuffed in my closet. (laughs) We've heard so many stories about how you're coping and adapting to the move out of the office. And let's be honest, It's been a big challenge. But one thing is for sure, remote work is here to stay. It's become much more a part of the lexicon of the world of work. While some are making their way back to their offices full-time, others are permanently dividing their time between office and home or going fully remote. So many of us, including me, are wondering, where do we go from here? To answer that question, we've invited three people to tell their stories of work and three experts to weigh in. I'm Melanie Green. You're listening to Remote Works, an original podcast by Citrix. You've heard that expression, life is like a box of chocolates. Well, how about this? As an analogy to my current work life, I consider like going to the gym sets and reps, you know that concept? So like you do a certain amount and then you go and you go. And what I've been doing is kind of like applying that sort of structure to my life. Meet Sky Fairchild Waller. He works in commercial legal services in Toronto. 
So I'll do like 30 minutes of my job. I'll do 30 minutes of like being a, a homekeeper and like having to make sure I don't live in filth. Um, I'll do 30 minutes of like having a personal life and checking in with my friends and family. And then that just happens and it keeps going until the work is done. That's not really luxuries that I'm necessarily afforded in a workplace. Although I have to say mine would certainly be flexible and permitting of it, but not like half hour timeouts every half hour. You know what I mean? I'd say that what I've had the opportunity to do is with a fine tooth comb, figure out exactly what I need my day to look like if I'm going to accomplish everything that I intend to and like maybe even more. That's kind of how I've been thinking about it. Time management. That's definitely a skill I've had to refine over the last few months. I'm honestly not surprised at all to hear that Sky's work experience and even his quality, the quality of work, has improved. That's Laura Girja. Laura is a postdoctoral research associate at the London Business School. She studies time engagement and the future of work. Specifically, she looks at the decisions people make about the way they work and how that affects their happiness and well-being. She's pretty impressed with Sky's home office work-life balance. So he mentioned the 30 minutes of doing one activity and then 30 minutes of another activity and then switching to the next one until he's making sure that everything gets done. So he didn't really use, you know, deep work or pro time or some, something like that, but really pro time stands for our proactive time, which means being intentional with how you use your time and taking control over how you structure your time, which is really crucial, especially when we feel overwhelmed and stressed. For Laura, time management keeps stress levels down for remote workers. She also talks about the importance of a concept called digital wellness. I like this term. So I think at the beginning of the pandemic, there was this tendency to do a lot of virtual chats, a lot of meetings, a lot more getting together online. And that actually ended up being more overwhelming for employees and undermining their well-being than if we wouldn't do that. And so I guess I'm thinking of digital wellness as an intentional approach to how we use the digital tools that are out at our disposal. Sky's enjoying the autonomy of working at home. He has control over his work environment, and there aren't a lot of people around to distract him. If you would like to leave a message, press one. I also think that it's important to consider the kind of work and the experience of the work that you did, I did, before the pandemic and after. I genuinely think I'm better at my job when I have the opportunity to be as comfortable and as inspired and curious and intellectually engaged as possible. Perhaps not surprisingly, that takes place more often than not in my home. It's not going to take place in a 200-year-old building that I share with 100 people. Though my studio apartment is in a 100-year-old building, and most of my clothes are now hanging on my banister, I really get that. Not only am I comfortable, but I'm not as distracted. I think he's right in not wanting to go back to how things were, because 
the previous working circumstances were not great for many, many employees around the world. I've heard one example of this in my conversations with one company in the UK where they took this opportunity as a way of rethinking how they work and acknowledge that they're not going to go back to the way they used to work, but they're going to try to think about what things didn't work and what things did work and how we can hear our employees about what they want so that they can do their work. So compromise and searching for nothing less than a new way to work may be the way forward as managers look for effective ways to bring employees back to the office. And whether someone is working in an office or remotely, Laura says the focus should be on how to help people feel that they're in an environment where they can be productive. I think Sky Story is really illustrative of a lot of employee stories that, you know, they realize the opportunities and the fact that they can be productive when they're at home. Let's call it this big experiment of working from home that the pandemic has created. It's helping to address one of the biggest assumptions of remote work, which is this idea that productivity is measured in terms of numbers of hours spent at the office or numbers of hours spent being connected to your work, whatever that is, email, or other online chats, instead of looking at the employee's actual output. And I think a better approach or a different mindset is to look at remote work as a different way of working that has its own benefits, such as having time to think, having time to work without interruptions, and getting to the core of the problems. And so I think if you're trying to think of remote work as office work, but without being at the office, you're really missing out on the benefits of remote work. Kind of going further with how can we rethink the office, I think there are two ways. We can look at the value of the office both as, you know, a space to connect with your colleagues, and that's it. And then consider remote working as where you do your deep work or your pro-time work. Pro-time. Proactive time taking control of how you structure the time in your day. That really did change things for me. For Laura, that's a key concept for managers to keep in mind as their teams move from the office into remote work. So you're gifting them time to focus on organizational problems. And so I think that's one way to make sure you get the most out of your people. I think it's really, really, really hard for for managers in a way If you've been used to always see your employees working at the office and all of a sudden you're not, it's very uncomfortable. But if you start from a mindset of experimentation and understanding that there are better ways or experimenting with new ways of working and seeing what works, then you're likely to get your employees to work better but also be happier. When you work in an office, meeting the public, whether it's in person or by telephone, is an important part of your job. It can be pleasant like this. Okay, so Sky Fairchild-Waller can spend more time focusing on his work and has more control over his day. So far, so good. But what about fostering corporate culture or even creating a sense of culture with a brand new business? I want you to meet someone who's balancing remote work with the anxiety and exhilaration of running a new tech startup. 
My name is Eli Chamberlain. I'm the head of product and design at RealGood. RealGood is a uh, streaming service aggregator. So we take your Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime subscriptions, and all these different video on demand services, and we bundle them together into one searchable, browsable interface. So you don't have to switch between multiple apps on your smart TVs or on your mobile devices when you're looking for, for things to watch or where to watch them. What a great idea. A searchable interface that allows you to find and focus on what matters. You know what that sounds like? A digital workspace. But back to real good. They're growing fast. They had just rented a new office space for their growing team when the pandemic hit. And one of the things that's been uniquely challenging for us is, you know, we just went from, I think, probably like 16 people to just under 30 people and over 30 if you include consultants and contractors and you know, half of this team that we just added to has never met anyone in person. You know, they've had to be onboarded by various Skype calls. You know, it, it makes it harder to onboard people cross-functionally, I've found. You know, like, how do you share with someone from sales on a 30-minute Zoom call what product and design and engineering does at a company versus if we were all in the same office, they would just kind of see how we work, experience how we work, you know go get lunch together and socialize together and really get a, a better understanding of how the whole organization works, even if it's not necessarily directly related to their purview. I think there's, you know, some general knowledge that gets shared around an office environment that you just don't get when you're remote. Hmm, it's true. I've watched my company grow in the last few months and all those new faces in the video chat can get a bit confusing. I learned so much at my current job simply by observing my coworkers in action. It's one thing to build a remote work structure on a strong corporate foundation, but Eli is trying to motivate a team made up of a lot of new employees doing new things in a pressure cooker startup environment. Because everything's so task-oriented, I think there's been a bit of a lamentation that work is starting to feel a bit like a treadmill because people are crushing through so many tasks one after another without that larger connection to the organization and that larger connection to a team. It can sometimes make the work feel a little bit less meaningful because you don't have the people around you driving you forward. You're not seeing the successes of other teams as clearly. You're not seeing a shared vision as clearly. Eli Chamberlain, meet... I'm Kenneth Matos, uh, Director of People Science at CultureAmp. My primary responsibility is to help our clients devise uh, survey and employee feedback techniques that answer their key questions they have about what their employees need to be successful, and then thinking about what actions they should be taking in order to achieve those goals. Kenneth Matos knows what Eli is going through. He's seen companies weather this before. It can be really difficult for an organization to switch from having everyone in the office and moving towards a fully remote dynamic. So in the example of an organization that's grown really quickly and is trying to onboard people, they're really going to find that their managers need to be a lot more proactive in not just sharing task, but also purpose. They really need to think about why are people doing things, what, how does it chain, and explain a lot more of that information explicitly. Things that they used to allow people to absorb just from watching what was happening need to be said out loud. And that often requires leaders to take a moment, look back at what they're doing, and really understand whether or not it makes sense, what purpose does it serve. 
Kenneth says that one of the mistakes companies can make when trying to make a successful shift to remote work is only focusing on tangible things, like having the right technology to work productively. But he says one of the biggest considerations is organizational structure, something that's harder to replicate outside of the office. And how to strike that balance as a manager, when to connect, and when to back off. What begins to emerge over time is the realization that there's new norms of how you show respect, uh, new norms of how you uh, share information and who you're supposed to be contacting when. Things that you didn't realize you were doing because they happened in tandem with the things you planned start becoming uh, more important. A great example would be employees and managers not knowing how often to check in about the progress of work. So many uh, remote employees will say they feel micromanaged because their manager is calling them every day to say, where is things? Where in reality, it takes about a week to do the stuff that they're doing. Kenneth says that in remote work, things can be tricky. Things that in the office are just second nature can sometimes be taken the wrong way when you're working remotely. I think the other piece that people often forget is that we moralize things that people do. So when the manager is checking in on you, you could interpret that as just the manager doing their job, or you could interpret that as the manager not trusting you. And so that breach in interpretation is one of the things that organizations that do remote work really well put on the table and explain to one another. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Hmm. So to make sure that remote work is successful, managers might need to worry less about hierarchy. So I do think there probably will be a lot more flattening, a lot more job enrichment in the sense of people will need to be trusted to be able to make decisions and judgment about how to execute their work because they're not going to have as easy a uh, connection to managers or colleagues to be able to get feedback. Those who've managed in a physical office will need to develop new perspectives, new ways of interacting with people, comfort with technologies, which will probably evolve as companies realize that building technologies that make this easier is going to be a real importance and value bringer in the near future. There'll have to be some explicit conversations about what is the norm for this organization and what should we expect managers to do as a minimum of social connection and listening to employees. Uh, managers will also have to have conversations about responsiveness expectations. So when should employees respond to an email or some other communication? Is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? Is it by the next business day? That will likely vary by message. How do employees know? It's a lot of heavy lifting to learn how to manage remote teams. But the potential payoff is huge. Higher employee productivity and engagement. So there's a lot of power in being able to say employees who want very different work environments can create their own environment, be it play music, uh, the music they want to hear, have their dogs nearby, stop and see their kids in the middle of the day if that's physically viable from where they are. There are those who, like Sky, would happily make a switch to working fully remote. Not gonna lie, I'm in the same boat. 
One of the most important things, of course, was doing office work during office hours. But a lot of us are likely looking at a kind of hybrid model of work. Even a partial return to the office has many thinking about how the design of our workspaces could change. Claire O'Halloran is a fabric developer for a clothing company in Vancouver. Before the pandemic hit, Claire was going to work in her office building in downtown Vancouver every day. Hmm, fabric developer. What an interesting job to take remote. But as much as Claire likes working from home, she would like to work for part of the week back in her office. I've enjoyed this working from home experience enough that I would like to keep it for maybe two days a week. I'd be more prepared next time and there would need to be some adjusting on both ends to make this a seamless transition. And I'm hoping that the workplace I return to will be more accommodating to this newfound flexibility. Ooh, I really like that as an option. The broader experience of this pandemic has left me with some concerns about the workplace we're all to return to. I'm interested to see how we navigate communal workspaces like elevators, meeting rooms, kitchenettes. I'm a bit of a clean freak, not over the top by any stretch, but I'm eager to see if there will be sweeping changes on how we do things or just business as normal. I'm curious to see what that looks like as well. Apart from changing the design of her office to make it safer post-pandemic, Claire's time working at home has given her insights about how she'd like her workspace to become more like her home space. I really do enjoy the social aspects of working in an open plan office, but this experience has made me realize that there are some core aspects that just don't work for me. The main one would be the openness and distraction that comes with this office layout. Everyone is on show, there's lots of conversations going on around you, and it can be very difficult to maintain focus and productivity. I also don't feel that they're very accommodating to the introverts among us. I feel I have been way more productive working from home. I have more control over the chaos around me and can direct my energy on the task at hand. And I'm not trying to block these distractions out, which is a skill I'm not very good at. There have been drawbacks to it, don't get me wrong. Of course, you miss out on the social aspects and connectivity of the work environment. As an introvert myself, I couldn't agree with this more. So Claire's point associated with looking forward to coming back and being assured that she was safe and the sweeping clean change that she needed was also supplemented by the fact that she liked being around other people. Um, But she wanted to spend those two days at home um, in order to do her thinking work. Meet Benjamin Pardo. Benjamin spends a lot of time thinking about what the spaces people work in look like. He's the executive vice president of Design at Knoll. That's a design firm in New York. While Benjamin acknowledges that the layout of workspaces will change to make people safer, companies don't need to go full hospital operating room level disinfection. In the same way that when people are first coming back, We're dealing with the psychology of safety and comfort and cleanliness and the perception of all of those things. Actually, once we have the normalcy that comes back to us, I don't really want to work in a doctor's office, right? I don't want that cold, stainless steel, 
bright light type atmosphere. Benjamin thinks that once companies adjust their design of office space to ensure more safety for employees, there will be a demand for workspaces that more closely resemble the experience we had when we worked at home. I think that Claire is not alone in the desires that she has in order to find the capability to concentrate and the capability to socialize. So how do we bring back uh, the aspects of softness, residential quality? How do we find that balance backwards to be able to come back and contemplate and think and not have those distractions, right? No matter what it is that we do, we need to collaborate. Clearly, we need to find a more efficient way for people to have the capability for both heads-down work, small group work, mid-sized group work, and large group work. And the key factor is, is that right now we design to a static plan that does not change. I think it's just a reality, is that our midterm planning will all be about how can things be done in a flexible fashion? How can I respond to change? How can I respond to shift in departmental, in numbers, and so on and so forth? I will go further to say that some of these horrific predictions of the return of the cubicle at 175 centimeters or 70 some odd inches high, I find to be absolutely deplorable. To be contained in a box is something that I potentially would like to put off until I'm in the ground, rather than at the time when I'm supposed to be thinking, working, and providing, and actually part of the bottom line of a corporate culture. Yes. So in the office of the future, cubicles are out. Collaboration spaces are here to stay. You might think that with concerns over safety, that open concept office is dead. Not according to Benjamin Pardo. The open plan concept is not dead. I think that it's a vital part of the vitality in the way in which offices work. Boundaries suck. So as we move forward in designing the office of the future, Benjamin Pardo is saying, let's think outside the box. Literally. Although Benjamin doesn't see companies giving up completely on the open plan concept, he does see many possibilities for innovation of workspace in the post-pandemic office. Is there a more efficient way through a smaller footprint, multiple locations, um, in order to, to make it work for people to be at home and also in the office? And if that's planned for, I think that corporations not only get better work out of their employees, but they also gain in efficiencies of space planning and potentially less square footage or shifted square footage to areas with less cost per square foot or square meter. And the other thing that this does that people like Claire need to think about um, is I don't necessarily need to hire a person if I'm a corporation based in New York, in New York City. Understand that corporations will look at this in terms of the accommodation of employees, but they're also going to look at this from the bottom line. And those things need to be balanced. I've been wondering about this a lot. Will companies expand where and how they hire now that remote work is more viable? As Benjamin looks ahead to the way companies will redesign their space and where their employees will work, he sees opportunities for significant change. Things change on a daily basis. And that is, in fact, the reactionary phase that we find ourselves in right now. We know that we'll reach a level of stasis 
um, in terms of getting to the next period, and that's making do, as Claire said, going back to the clean office. But the real opportunity is gathering the information to move us forward and understanding all the knowledge that we've gained and opportunities and the moments that we savored, how do we continue to support those in the workplace of the future? What a great question. And a question is an excellent way to end the season of remote works. Because in this new world of remote work, we are all learning. There are still a lot of questions to be answered. But you know what? We're learning a lot along the way. And listening to the people on today's show, we just might be headed for a work environment that is more flexible, more productive, and more human. That's it for this week. I'm Melanie Green. Remote Works is an original podcast by Citrix. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen. You can hear all seven episodes at citrix.com slash remote works. 